folks, welcome back. So we are back again very quickly with another Twitch uh, for our proper Skillshare. So today we have a really exciting one uh, going a different direction completely from the last time we did this. Uh, instead, we're going to be focusing on more functional skills, specifically around the idea of starvation and group dynamics. If you are watching right now on Instagram, it's because I'm live streaming from Instagram and I'm about to turn it off. So if you'd like to hear the rest of this conversation, come join us on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, I, I think, and Twitch, obviously. Uh, and all those are at slash Four Proles Almanac, wherever you decide to go. So thanks, y'all. We'll see you on the other side. For the rest of you, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm uh, really excited about this conversation because it's not something that uh, is easily accessible to have a meaningful conversation around it. So first, I'm going to uh, introduce our guest. Oh, could you guys hear me at all throughout any of that? Because I forgot to move my microphone in front of me. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoy are tuned in and uh, heard some of that. If not, I'm going to introduce our guest, uh, Willa Moore, and they will uh, tell you some more about what we're going to talk about. How you doing? How you doing? Hi, I'm good. Um, can you hear me? We can. We can. Is there feedback? I wasn't able to find headphones. Uh, there uh, is, there so is. I'll just speak willing, uh, like, uh, like occasionally. Okay. Yeah, sorry so, about that. No worries. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about uh, what you wanted to talk about today. Um, yeah, I mostly wanted to talk about my experience of semi-starvation in a wilderness setting, as well as um, recovery from that, which took place in a non-wilderness setting, and kind of use that as a as a jumping point to talk about semi-starvation in general, um, because I found that, you know, after I left that, the program where I was experiencing starvation, I could find very little resources about it, which was surprising. Um, but, but, but there you have it. So I was like, well, I want to create a resource or at least start creating more resources around this. Sure. So um, could you tell us a little bit, uh, I guess, about where this process came from or um, like, what's the starting point? Which, which process? Uh, like, uh, so did you want to tell us like a story about uh, your experience or did, were you planning on uh, going more deeply into the, the subject matter itself? Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I guess I'll kind of whoop, tell the story a little bit. Um, Well, there, there, so there's different kinds of, I made little notes, so I might glance sure. down sometimes. Um, there's different kinds of, there's like different ways that you can be starving. Um, you can be eating no food. You can be eating food, but like very little. And you can be like eating food, but it's still not enough to meet your needs of expenditure. And in in my case it was mostly um the third one because this was like 
it was at the teaching drum outdoor skills school and it was like a nomadic year-long wilderness immersion so we were very physical every day um like at, at least gathering firewood twice a day and we didn't have containers for water so like walking to the water just being like very physical and when it got colder the body has another task of like staying warm and you don't have by that point i didn't have nearly as much like insulating fat so all the heat just goes away even even with like six layers of wool like insanely heavy clothing yeah um but yeah when i talk about like that school people say like oh did you have to like forage for all your own food is that why you were starving it's like no actually they brought us food um they brought us like vegetables and wild rice from the previous year's harvest and like they had a big walk-in for like roadkill um and they brought us bear fat and like one of the things that i noticed through that experience was just like bear fat was like by far my favorite thing um good things yeah yeah just calories just condensed in this extremely delicious package (laughs) um but also you can get sick from eating too much fat um and i did once um and i think that's harder to it's harder to gauge when that's going to happen when you're like super 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 hungry so like yeah it really changed my experience of my appetite um And I guess I, now that I've kind of established, like, the container for this situation, um, and this school is known for just starving people, like, it's a thing. Like, previous years, students talk about it, like, people have called it, like, the starving drum, like, it's just, it's just a thing. And it's a thing in general, in a lot of wilderness programs, and... Um, you'd think that like, because it's such a thing in a lot of wilderness programs, there would be more information that those like cultures are producing for like how to recover, but there's not, you're just kind of abandoned to figure out how to get back to a healthy weight without hurting yourself. Um, yeah. And that's a struggle too. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. Um, but I'll I'll get to that. I just want to talk about like what happened to me and the people around me um, while we were experiencing just that calorie deficit. Um, there were three women in the program when we started, and six men. And um, one of the women left after like a month because it wasn't what she like thought it was going to be. So then there were just the two of us, but we both we both only menstruated like once and then didn't menstruate for the entire rest of our time there. Um and so that is a really common and well-known uh side effect of being in a calorie deficit for too long is that if you menstruate, you'll stop menstruating to conserve energy. Um 
Yeah, I just, I have this, like, whole kind of list of things. Sure, and I'm um, assuming those are paired with psychological things as well. Yeah, it was, like, I mean, particularly, like, the the psychological aspect of not menstruating, just, like, knowing that, like, oh, like, my body feels like it has to conserve energy right now, like, I'm not in a state that I could be like producing future generations. Like if we were like an actual culture living this way, we would be dying. Like this would mean things were very bad. And the human body is like built to withstand those things, but it, it takes a toll and the the like mythos of the school and you know it was weird at the time but it just gets weirder and weirder the more that i look at it um they like appropriated a lot of like anishinaabe and ojibwe like cultural things and they appropriated a lot and they also made things up um and one of the things was like yeah like women in those tribes just would spend like half the year not menstruating because there was like not as much food during those times. And like, that's not actually physically healthy or sustainable. <laughs> but yeah, they had all these imagine. mythos to like justify the starving to be like, oh, well, this is like natural and, and good. So should be, yeah. Right, right, but um, but it wasn't, um, yeah. And I was just like, I kind of always struggle with, um, like fatigue and like varying energy levels, but it was like way exaggerated with the food scarcity, like, yeah, like sometimes. Especially, like, on... There were times where, like, we just didn't have food for a few days. Or, like, only had one or two food groups for a couple days. Um, like, oh, we just have, like, greens and meat. And there's no fat and there's no carbohydrates. And, like, that's not it doesn't actually give you a lot of energy. Especially when you're, like, doing a lot and moving a lot. And also, like learning a lot of new things like your brain is expanding and that also requires a lot of energy and calories yeah 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 um but yeah like there were i just remember times where it was just like physically difficult to move my body because of like how fatigued i was yeah it brings but, up an interesting point around like the fact that they're having you do these things and you're new to them. So you don't have that expertise, like somebody who would be living there and like traditionally and yeah. would be able to do things more efficiently, burn less calories uh, and all of those things. And yet it's expected that you could do these things on a calorie deficit. Right. Right. Exactly. And yeah, it's, it's also kind of in, insult to those cultures like oh we don't need hundreds of years of knowledge passed down orally through like thousands of years of generation 
we just we can just take random people and just throw them here and not even give them enough food and they'll be fine <laughs> and yeah we were not not fine <laughs> um the strange thing is though that sometimes like I think people kind of talk about this more in the like realm of like fasting that like I would suddenly have like it would it seemed to come out of nowhere I would have like really euphoric experiences and like having a lot of energy and just feeling like light and a sense of like ease in in movement that like I historically had had not felt um and Often it was, like, after, like, a day of, like, dragging myself, like, trying to do things. And then all of a sudden, like, not even necessarily when I needed it. I'd just be, like, boom, like, euphoric and filled with energy. And it's just, like, my body just tapped into an energy reserve and gave me some endorphins and was just, like, go, go, get food or something. Like, remedy this situation. This is yeah. your time window. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you don't, you don't get to decide when you have energy. Yeah, it, yeah. it seems like you would, that would be a good thing to be able to control that. But also, I guess, like, the body is desperate at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And there probably are some people who maybe have more of a sense of control over that, like people who fast a lot and kind of have honed in on their metabolism or like those breathing exercises and stuff. And the school kind of like threw a lot of like concepts like that at us. Like they like talked about breathwork stuff some and we're talking about that some, but they didn't like actually teach us how to do it. They were just like, here's a concept. Um, if if you just like spontaneously figure out how to do this, um, that that's great. And a lot of the stuff was like that. They'd just be like, here's a concept. Go teach yourself. And it's like, okay, this is more of a like container for self-learning than it is a school. Yeah. I guess that was kind of the point. <laughs> Yeah, so tell us a little bit about how the group dynamics played into this uh, starvation. Yeah, well, because of the psychological changes, I just feel like we weren't, you know, we're already like a group of people who have never met each other in a difficult situation and put starvation on top of that. So like everybody has like wildly varying energy levels um, and there's often like, somewhat of an obsession about food like you think about food a lot and develop weird habits around eating and yeah there was like a, a certain like i remember one time they brought us like enough bananas that everybody could have seven and i decided to eat all seven of my bananas that day um, and it felt great. I loved it. I never thought eating some bananas would like be a nice experience, but like I felt like each one just got better. <laughs> but then when they found that out, like because I did that while I was alone, the group got mad at me. And I was just like, I don't get it. I'm not taking away it away from anybody else. Like what? And it was just like 
in our like we'd have these like talking circles which is also an appropriated concept and like a lot of it would just be like weird like compulsive like food notions of like what order do you eat food and like like and you know there was kind of like a guru guy and so people would ask him like food type questions and it was it was all just so like neurotic it was bizarre that it was like you know in spite of the fact that you're like at this wilderness school um you're actually like constantly you know i feel like you're ideally you want to get in touch with your intuition and be like oh yeah my like body knows what to do but a lot of it was like no the school knows what to do and so you have to listen to this guru person who's also not going to teach you anything yeah um but that's more oh but um all that's to say is that i have a conspiracy theory that they starved students intentionally to make them like more vulnerable to like that guru dynamic that's interesting i mean it wouldn't be wouldn't be the first group to do that no it wouldn't be uh but you know that brings up an interesting point though and i I, it makes me think about like where religion came from and it's like you get like hyper fixated on things then you have to logically justify like why you're eating the banana you know once every three hours versus seven in a day or one a day or whatever it might be and you come up with this like like basically random structure that you use to like justify what you're doing and uh, like eventually that can get like codified and i feel like that like speaks to like how things that don't make sense like become like a part of a community yeah and that's absolutely what happened like at that school um because by the time i was doing the program they had done a lot in the past and they had like their own culture it was like a, a religion specific to that school or like a yeah, a code or a set of rules or um yeah whatever whatever it is um and like there was something about walking into that that was like i like didn't really have a sense of like culture growing up and so it was almost like oh wow like that exists in the world but then yeah it's also not good and I've heard other students say like, yeah, teaching drum is a cult, but it's like a, it's like a super healthy cult because it like promotes these like healthy habits and stuff. It's, it's, it's healthy, but it's within an unhealthy structure. And I'm just like, I don't think that that's, uh, I don't think that that can be healthy. (laughs) Yeah. And it, um, so I'm more curious about this, uh, group dynamic component and like how yeah. how, how did you guys how work you together know? was it like you s- relied on one another or you just there together and like how either how of those I situations might have played into your relationship with food and one another yeah i mean we did rely on each other but also um there definitely like was there were like moments of joy but there wasn't a lot of like, I didn't feel really connected with these people. Like I felt like, you know, that like we would all work our best to like make 
fire happen. Um, but like, I didn't feel like really emotionally connected. Um, so I'm assuming you didn't stay in touch with anyone. What did you stay in touch with anyone? No, no, I tried for a short time after after the program was done. Um, this was like uh, like seven years ago now. So yeah, I tried for a little bit. Um, I'm just plugging in my phone. Um, whoop. Okay, I'm back. I tried to stay in touch, but also like four of the people who like were in the core group that stayed were from Germany. And so there was kind of like always a language barrier. And I feel like that might've been part of like feeling less connected, but I didn't stay in touch with the folks who were from America either. So. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. Like, like that psychological yeah, like, impact would leave like lasting impressions on like relationships and things like that. Yeah. I mean, the other woman who did the program, she said that like, ever since leaving, like when I was last in touch with her, which I think was like a year after we, the program was done a year or two after. Um, she said that like, she just doubts herself all the time. Like if she has an emotion or a desire, like she doesn't know whether that's coming from herself or not. Like she doesn't be because of the way that the like, school treated her which was yeah super awful yeah yeah i remember feeling like i mean all of us had less patience because like when you're starving that's one of the things it's just like you're you have less emotional resilience and and i mean like it's different from like controlled fasting situations because like sometimes i feel like when I'm like in a controlled fasting situation, I have more emotional resilience or like, it's totally different, but like in that situation, less emotional resilience, less patience. Um, also like no like sex drive or any kind of interest in, in that kind of thing. And I like asked the other people in the group and they were all like, yeah, nope, it's gone because that's energy. Energy. Yeah, you have to conserve your energy. Like, that's a waste, <laughs> according to your body. And it's like, what? This isn't a time to be, like, doing anything that might make a baby. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just didn't end up feeling... And I I feel like normally, like, being in outdoor spaces with people and working together to, like, set up camp and stuff is, like, this incredibly bonding experience. But... I I can't help but feel like that was disrupted and I think part of it was it was disrupted from starving for such a long time and I think it was also disrupted from like the way that the guides kind of were manipulating us basically sure like and they were trying like the whole there was this whole concept of like yeah we're trying to like heal our patterns and like develop like a group consciousness and work together really well but i felt like so much of the so much of their interference actually worked against that it worked against us like being able to just naturally do what humans do 
So I want to ask, as this this like year went along, how did that starvation uh, change, and how did it relate to like that group again? Well, like within my own body, it changed in this weird way at a certain point where like I was just hungry all the time. And so it felt like it almost didn't matter if I ate or like when food was available, I would like I'd I'd eat like my first bite would be like amazing, like euphoric. It tasted amazing and it felt really good. And then my second bite was like pretty good. And then the third bite was like, meh. And like, I would like basically only eat while it like felt euphoric to do so. And I kind of lost interest in eating after that because I mean, A, when I ate until I was full, it made me tired. And B, I was going to be hungry afterward anyway. Like no matter what I did, I was going to be hungry all the time. So like, why eat more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's tricking your body into thinking there'll be food again in the future, and you didn't, you didn't know. Right, yeah, I, I didn't know. And yeah, I also just experienced a lot of things that it's just like, I felt like my body was like working against me almost. Like toward the end when I like left, I was craving things like frozen broccoli stems that offer like no calories. <laughs> Like, why? I don't know. Um, I feel like as things went on, and it may have also been because, like, it got colder and, like, winter set in. But, like, there were definitely... We just, like, weren't, like, kind and nurturing to each other. And and do you think that was because of the dynamics at play or because of the starvation itself? Um, Both, I think. But I think because of the starvation, after I left the school and, like, was trying to figure out, like, what just happened to me and how do I, like, recover and gain weight? I looked up, I tried to do a lot of research, and one of the only things I could find was the Minnesota starvation experiment um, where they put a group of um like uh what was it people who objected to the war on a moral basis and like refused the draft because of that um they put a group of those men through a semi-starvation process that was like very controlled and monitored like they were constantly like weighing them and and stuff um and when I was reading about that experience, like I noticed so many things that resonated with my own experience, including like, like in the, in the beginning of the experience, like people were talking with each other a lot and it was much more social. And as it went on, the social interaction just decreased. Like they they'd be in a room, whether during mealtime or not. And people just like, wouldn't talk to each other because they didn't have energy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it was, it was similar um in our program yeah so um i guess you've kind of covered the the starvation process especially within the group setting um so let's talk about kind of the aftermath 
Yeah. I mean... So the aftermath started, like, when I decided to leave the school. And I decided to leave the school because, like, I, like, had almost no control of my bowels anymore. (laughs) And I was cold all of the time. And, like, it felt like my brain, like, wasn't working. And I was... All I wanted to eat was frozen broccoli stems. (laughs) And I had an infection on my thumb and um the treatment protocol for that is was like i was watching another person in our group go through that and also you're just more vulnerable to infections again when you're calorie in a deficit of calories and when you've been in a deficit of calories your body like deprioritizes healing things i think um but also like weird stuff gets healed or shifted like my teeth got straighter during that experience i have no idea like only i would have noticed but i was like this definitely happened and i don't know why that happened yeah um interesting but yeah i decided to leave because i was like i'm dying (laughs) and and i was like trying to ask the guides and the other people there like how can i stay warmer what's happening with my bowels like and just no support no support so how long were you there seven months seven months yeah that's a long time um yeah 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 it was a long time do you mind me asking if uh how much you lost um uh, basically i went in like I mean, you don't have to say your weight or anything. I'm just curious. Yeah, I think I lost 25 pounds. But I was already on the low side of, like, what's normal for my weight when I entered the program. And they did this, like, they would, like, do, like, a caliper test to test, like, our fat versus muscle ratio. And I remember toward the later months they were saying, like, oh, like, you're increasing in muscle and decreasing in fat. That's cool. And I'm like, I know that's, like, what athletes or, like, bodybuilders or, like, particular people, like, want to do, but I'm in a survival setting, and that's actually not good. Yeah. Not to mention, I was not stronger because of that. Like, in some ways, I was um, I was lighter, so, like, doing things like running or walking long distances was kind of easier. But I remember we got a deer. They brought us just this like massive frozen roadkill deer. And so we like tied the deer's legs to a stick where like one person could get on each end of the stick, uh, put it on their shoulders and stand and walk. And I couldn't stand. I, I just couldn't even like get from a squat to a standing position with that weight on my shoulder, which I could do now no problem yeah. so i wasn't actually stronger i was weaker yeah yeah that's uh I, i'm sure you put on some muscle but not nearly enough to offset like what you probably lost you probably put muscles on in weird places yeah or like maybe i don't i don't know exactly how it works i just know that i was like less physically strong um yeah it was 
it was weird. And I was also just like, just less resilient in a lot of ways. Like I was just less resilient to the cold too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I left and, um, I remember like going to, I like stayed in, uh, Minneapolis for a few days while I was like trying to arrange for a plane ticket and stuff. And I remember like going to the grocery store and being extremely disoriented and just like getting like a hundred dollars worth of food, but like trying to get the kinds of things that we were eating at the program because that was what I was used to. And, um, <laughs> and then just like arriving back at this, like I, I like was staying with a couch surfing person being like, I don't really even know like what I'm going to do with all this. I'm like leaving in a few days. And it was just like, I couldn't make decisions. Yeah. Like in, especially in that setting of being at a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of this is so important as we like look at kind of what's happening globally is understanding that there probably will be at some point, these experiences for more people, uh, you know, and the news today, China uh, dropped its, um, I'm not sure if there was a trading import ban or whatever it was with Russia. So they're going to be taking in Russian wheat. And they've also recently closed up their fertilizer outputs to the U.S. Uh, So like they're definitely trying to starve us out. Um, How how serious they're trying to do that is another story. Uh, but, But it's kind of frightening. And I'm surprised it's not making bigger news and... That's why this stuff, I think, is so important. We have to know kind of what we're in for. Uh, Not to say it's going to be that severe, but we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, you don't get, you don't always get to, like, know when it's going to happen. You don't get to, like, prepare. Um, And that's why I'm just confused as to why it's not common knowledge. And not yeah. only is it not common knowledge, it's super hard to find resources about what happens when you're starving and what happens when you're recovering and like how to do that in a in a safe way. Yeah. So, yeah, like ask, um, you've brought up this brought up like very immediate, very immediate impact, impact on the way your brain works, the way your physicality. How long does that last? Does it change? Like what? what's kind of the next steps um it took a really long time for like i had a lot of trouble focusing and making decisions and i had a really hard time reading which was especially challenging because i was like trying to do research to figure out like what's happening to me like what do I do? Why do I feel this way? Why can't I read? I don't know because I can't read for more than (laughs) like a paragraph. I just like read the same sentence over and over and over again and just like not. And I've always been like a super reader. I've just always like, you know, I would like binge read as a kid. So it was just, yeah, really different and foreign to me. And I did it's not like I didn't read at all while I was at the school. Like we were able to send and receive letters and the school like had some materials that you could read like little booklets and stuff about their like made up concepts. Um, Yeah. So like that is one of the things that like sticks out to me so much. It's just like, I could barely read. 
Um, also, initially, I had trouble like keeping physically still. Like, I was so used to being so mobile all the time that like I felt like I had to continue doing that. Um, also, I guess because I couldn't focus on anything like immediate to me, like physically going somewhere felt more like something that I could do. Um, but after there was like a point after a few weeks of like being back at home, um, I stopped wanting to move all the time and I started wanting to rest a lot. And that was also when I started being able to like focus more and read more. And that's also when my cravings shifted from like things that were similar to what I had been eating to like extremely dense foods. Um, and it's, it's really important not to shift dramatically. Like I, I think it's good that I was like craving the kinds of things that I was eating at the school for a while before I like shifted into eating more calorie dense things because I think it would have been really shocking to my body to just like immediately start eating really calorie dense foods, which I hadn't had access to for months. Um, like for people who have starved, like for people who do that show naked and afraid, I've met some of those people and when some of them are eating a little bit the whole time and some of them are eating absolutely nothing the whole time. And if you've been eating nothing, and then all of a sudden you're like back in civilization and you go and you like eat a whole block of cheese and like, you know, I don't know, like bread and like really calorie dense stuff. Um, it can actually, depending on how long you've been starving, it can actually kill you. Um, they call it refeeding syndrome. Um, but even if it doesn't like kill you, it, it can be really bad for you. It can be scary. You can get like a lot of bloating. You can get pain. You can get severe edema, which is like parts of your body retaining water. Um, that can also happen deeper in the starving, um, deeper in the starvation period. The Minnesota starvation experiment guys started getting a lot of edema at their ankles. Um, and I don't really know why I got a little bit of edema um, when I was like a month or two into eating like really calorie dense foods. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm also really lucky that I had access to really calorie dense foods when I started craving them. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, funny you bring that up because uh, my grandfather was in world war two and he was a POW and he had escaped. Uh, and this was in Italy and uh, my, my, great-grandparents still lived there at the time and um, when he finally made his way back home uh, like the story goes that he came home and had a bowl of soup and then went to bed and I'm like how could you have gone like a month trying to travel by foot and then come home and had a bowl of soup and been like I'm gonna go sleep and, uh, like, <laughs> it, it makes more sense like as you're kind of talking through this yeah and like so, but some people like want to eat a whole lot and it's 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 actually not good to do <laughs> yeah, yeah and i'm imagining for him like they lived in southern italy and it was pretty poor so i don't think like 
the experience of starvation was like totally foreign. So they probably, I'm assuming he probably knew a little bit or was more intimate with it than uh, like the normal American in 2022. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's odd how like we don't, we don't know how to deal with it. Even though like a lot of people also don't have enough food generally like some of the most at least calorie dense foods are also like really cheap so like even if you're starving in every other way you can often at least get enough calories here yeah um but it's still it's still not good um yeah yeah, so at what point was it that you switched to wanting those calorie-dense foods? I feel like it was, a, it was a few weeks. It was a few weeks, and it was... I feel like it was pretty sudden. It was like within a few days, I was like, oh, I can't eat apples anymore because they taste like, like f- just horrible fiber. Like... I didn't, I couldn't eat anything with fiber. I was like, oh yeah, this is like being a kid again. Like I, we had eaten so much like cabbage during the program. And like, I, I didn't want to touch cabbage with a five foot full. Like I didn't want, yeah, fruit. Um, I still wanted a lot of fat. Um, I, I also like felt so weird about like being like back in civilization and so i was like dumpster diving for most of my food (laughs) but i found some really great stuff like i i found a lot of cheese and cheese was something i wanted a lot because that it's such a dense food there's and it has fat and it's just like that was was, all of that was exactly what i was wanting and um, I was just like drinking heavy cream as well. And I couldn't, I couldn't drink milk anymore. Milk made me super sick. And to this day, I can only drink milk if it's like local, raw, unpasteurized, like higher fat milk, like from Jersey cows. So that's just like a permanent change that happened to me. Cause when, you know, when I was a kid, I drank milk all the time. And, but yeah, cheese, heavy cream chicken skin was like the best i remember one night i found a bag of uncooked rotisserie chickens and a whole duck um and like i could only carry home so much so i like put a whole duck and two chickens in the oven and like ate all of the skin in like one or two days and just had all this like meat left (laughs) um and i was also i was because i was dumpster diving i was doing all of this at midnight And it was good because I didn't want anybody around. Like, I didn't want anybody to, like, see me eat. Because I I would just, like, sit at the table and just, like, slowly eat for hours. (laughs) Um, And, again, like, with the Minnesota starvation experiment, um, other other people had described like that shift of like wanting really densely caloried foods and not wanting to be around other people while they ate because they had developed like very strange habits basically um about like how the food has to be and how they have to eat it and yeah um again that like social degradation component 
Because, like, food is supposed to be something that you share with people. But, like, yeah, now, like, coming back into having access to all kinds of foods, um, I just knew that, like, the way I was eating wasn't compatible with other people. Um, And also, I was hungry all the time. Like, even if I ate until I was completely full and couldn't eat another bite physically, I was still hungry. And that was, like, worse than the starving part. Yeah, it's like a your brain is just paranoid that that's going to be your last meal. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I never quite... I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I wouldn't be able to go back to sleep until I, like, went and ate something. Which has never been my style, because I've had, like, acid reflux since I was a teenager, and so eating anywhere near bed was, like, a no-no. But yeah, I went... I've never been a midnight snacker. But, um... Yeah, I would just sit in the kitchen alone in the night, eating slowly for hours. (laughs) It was ridiculous. Um... And it took, like, also my toes, like, felt weird for a really long time. And I don't know if that was, like, I had gotten frost snip or something. But, like, over several months, they kind of, like, went back to feeling normal. Yeah, that's Um, interesting. Yeah, and, and as I said before, I did get some, like edema when I was like refeeding one of the resources that I found other than the Minnesota starvation experiment was um well I had read about AT hikers experiencing their trail appetite even after they got off the trail which like I felt I was kind of relating to because I was like well I'm not living outside anymore why am I still so hungry (laughs) um but it's like you're in a you're in a deficit. Of course you're gonna be, yeah, so hungry. Um, but the other resource I found was like people recovering from eating disorders, um, like anorexia type stuff, and um, yeah, how they were recovering, and like that was what I could find the most of, and those were the only people I could like be in dialogue with, like through internet forums. And so it was, it was a different experience, but it was also like very similar, like all of the things that they were describing. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's, oh yeah. But you had asked about, um, the shift in the way. And I did, I did want to say when I got home and like, finally could look in a mirror with no clothes on, I was, I saw myself and I was a skeleton. Like I didn't look healthy at all. And I also realized, like, wow, like, growing up in America, like, in my high school years, like, this is what I wanted to look like. And that's so messed up because I'm so unhealthy now. And um, I kind of was like, I'm never going to be in this state again if I can help it. <laughs> like, yeah. Now that that horrible fantasy has been realized, I want to run in the other direction this is not healthy yeah so um um, yeah and it it was also like 
it was hard psychologically to allow myself to eat as much as I like needed to, to be able to sleep and focus better. And there wasn't any like not feeling hungry, <laughs> but just like, it was just like, I just had to eat and I had to eat the things that were palatable to me, which were like those really calorie dense foods. I remember overcooking some eggs. I was, I was like, I fried a couple of eggs and I cooked the yolks too much and I cried and I broke the plate because I was so hungry and like the, the yolks only felt nourishing to me when they were like runny. And I was so, I was just like so deeply devastated by just overcooking eggs, which like now if I did that, I'd be bummed out, but I'd be like, okay, I'll make, I'll make some more eggs. Like I don't need to cry and break a plate. Yeah. Yeah. So when did, um, would you say that the, the impacts of the starvation started to wane? Like how long did that take? Like, how long did it take to, like, physically regain the weight? Um, And and normal is obviously kind of a loose term because I'm sure there's some things that still have stuck. Yeah, and also you initially just put on water weight because, like, you're able to, like, eat salt again and stuff. So, like, a lot of that initial weight that you're putting on is, like, not, it's not, like, body fat. It's not, like, tissue at all. It's just, like, there's more food in your body, and there's more water in your body. And your body has to do a lot of, like, cellular repair and stuff. And, um, that, that requires, like, flooding areas with water because cells can like pass through and do the things that they need to do more easily when there's like an abundance of water for them to move through. And so, yeah, people always like, we have this like cultural thing of like, I gained 10 pounds from eating a really big meal. And it's like, no, that doesn't happen. That's not how it works. Um, It takes a lot of time for your body to make adipose tissue. Um, That's like a complicated, like energy storage process. Um, And what's typical for a lot of people who starve, almost everybody who was in the Minnesota starvation experience, so many people who have had eating disorders and me, is that you overshoot your initial weight because your body needs to store enough. like energy and adipose tissue to feel like comfortable and secure to begin the cellular recovery work. Like if you've starved long enough, your, your body has like stripped fat from really weird places. Like it demyelinates your nerves. So there's like sheaths of fatty tissues around your nerves that like, you know, it's like the rubber thing around an electric wire. It insulates them, it protects them. And your body will like eat that. 
to keep you alive, to keep your basic body functioning. And so it makes so much sense that like, it feels like your nerves have been stripped. Like when, when you've been starving, like you just don't have pain. You're like on edge in a lot of ways. It's, and that was one of the things I learned when I was like, researching about people who had had eating disorders like there was one website where i found like a lot of information and i i also once i started being able to read i was like obsessed with like learning all of those things it just became like my new like this is i'm gonna hyper focus on this so that i feel like there's like hope for me to not feel hungry all the time yeah yeah we've got a uh, comment. Uh, I don't know if you have some input on it. Uh, someone says that their body has been stuck in starvation mode and has uh, they have fluid retention and um, they still struggle with eating from getting sick and vomiting so much. I don't know if you have any thoughts on like that process. I I don't know because I don't know um, why they're like are they having trouble eating because they're getting sick and it makes them vomit or um, it's, it's unclear to me. Um, But yeah, it can take a really long time for your body to like not be in starvation mode anymore. Like, and even though like it only took four or five months for me to like regain enough weight to start menstruating again. um, I was I, I started, like, not feeling hungry all the time around then, but, like, it took years for things to normalize. Like, I really do think that the damage that's done while you're starving takes takes years to heal. And I still go through sometimes... Um, days or just like hours within a day of like suddenly i'm really really hungry and i like need to eat really calorie dense foods and i feel like it only happens like maybe once a year now but i never know when it's gonna happen and i just have to give myself full permission like oh okay like it's that time i know why this is happening like i had this experience you just have to like trust in in what your body's doing um which like felt scary to do especially because like you know i grew up with a lot of like fat phobia and really internalized that but um yeah like a lot of people don't feel like they can eat whenever they're hungry because they just keep gaining weight um and I mean, sometimes that's, you just have to gain weight. Yeah. Like the body has a set point that it wants to be. And it has reasons that it wants to be that. And that can like change. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's not gonna just, you have to go on that journey. You have to like overshoot. And maybe it'll go down 
on its own and maybe it won't, but you, you can't, you can't start restricting your calorie intake again or like being like, Oh, well I'm really craving ice cream. So I'm gonna freeze a banana and eat that. Like, you know, you have to like eat the thing that your body is wanting, but I don't, I don't know about experiences where like, like this person is asking where their body is in starvation mode and they're having trouble eating. I have a, I have a friend who um, like just recently finished or I know, I don't know if I'll say finished, but finished the bulk of like getting um, treatment for cancer. And over the summer she like starved really badly, like in the hospital because of, but because of like the chemo and stuff. And so like, I don't know about the more like medical um, types of types of stuff. I can't see the whole comment. Uh... Oh yeah. I would get nauseous from not eating too. Oh, that sounds really hard. Well, yeah, sometimes when you're making too much stomach acid, it means you need to be eating more food. Yeah, because when I would wake up in the night, I would actually be having acid reflux. And when I ate, it made the acid reflux go away, which is like the opposite of how it usually works for me. Um, but I can't read the bottom of the comment because of the way that my screen is and like, I can't scroll. I actually can't even see myself in my little video frame, but. Well, where does your reading end? I can finish it for you. Um, it says, but I also make too much stomach acid. I did manage to lose half of it when I started, uh, when I started getting better. Now I've plateaued again. Hmm. Yeah, I mean if if you're having I mean I don't I don't I don't know and I I will say too that unfortunately like most doctors err on the side of like losing weight is always good. Like I went to a doctor after the like when I left the school, I went to the doctor who I had been seeing before that and I was just like I'm really confused. I'm really hungry all the time. I'm experiencing all these weird things and all these weird cravings. Um, and, and like, he, he was like, well, you're not underweight according to the BMI anymore. You gained like five or 10 pounds. So don't worry about it. You're fine. <laughs> like, Good enough. I was not fine, you know, and, Um, but some of, some of what I've read has indicated that, like, if your body is, like, trying to gain weight, it, it needs that for some reason to, like, heal whatever's going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so. But, yeah, I can't really speak too much to that because I haven't had that personal experience. Yeah, so I do want to ask, I guess, like, you've talked about that fact that this takes years to recover. Uh, has it changed how you relate in terms of like groups of people from this like 
experience at all? Or uh, was that outside of the food component? Has it basically stayed the same? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a long kind of journey. I'd say now I'm in a place where I'm like, I'm a lot more compassionate with other people and I try to be, um, like nurturing and nourishing in my relationships and friendships and like offer warmth and connection um even when people don't have like the time or the ability to like be present and receive that or offer it back um i've just felt like oh you know that's something that's really important um to be able to do but it took a long time to get to that. Um, like, I really struggled leaving the school, at, like, because I felt like I couldn't really talk about my experiences there. I, I left that place and went to New York City, and there's the people just didn't have a framework for, like, I couldn't just be like, yeah, well, we had a talking circle after the morning fire, and we talked about, like, the guardian exercises that we've been doing. <laughs> And I was saying I was having trouble with allies, you know, like it was just like, and and that's an experience a lot of people have with just like leaving cults in general is like you leave and you don't know how to connect with people because they don't have like that, the, the lexicon and the mythos that you've like been immersed in for so long. And like, yeah. how do you connect with people anymore? Um, yeah, and yeah, I think that for a while I was just like pretty aloof, um, like people who knew me at that time described me as like aloof or they felt like I was intimidating, but like I was just really struggling to connect um, and I still experience that some now. Um, but yeah, definitely over the years developed more of a sense of like how to how to start connecting with people again. Um, I still I just like had a lifelong thing of just having trouble with like group social situations like If it's, like, a group of my friends or a group of, like, particular people, I can handle it. But for the most part, like, I need to talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that it's just, like, overstimulating when there's too many people. Sure. So... I think the big reason why uh, we wanted to do this is because it's an important skill um, or at least I, I don't even want to say skill, but rather like a, a piece of knowledge uh, given the world that is unfolding in front of us. So I don't know if you have any particular thoughts of things that you would suggest uh, for people that are concerned about this experience uh, in the future 
that either they can do today to prepare for if this ever happens to them or uh, like what, what do you think are like next steps for people that are watching? Hmm. I mean, I really, I want to like make a zine or something. I want to like have like a tangible piece of media that I could just like offer people and say like here. Um, I do think that like anybody who wants to learn more about this, like finding anything you can about the Minnesota starvation experiment um, is probably going to be your best resource. Um, not that it's perfect or anything. And it's actually sometimes kind of hard to find good information about it. There's a little bit on YouTube. There's like some PDFs floating around, but there's like, there's not like a book or anything really definitive. Um, I'm going to put on my hat because I'm cold. I do think that reading, if it's like not triggering for you, like reading stories of people who like, have recovered or are in recovery from eating disorders can be helpful for the describing like what it was like while they were starving and what it's like uh trying to gain that weight back i do find that there's like it's probably true of the minnesota starvation experiment so much um but uh i lost my train of thought sorry um reading the comments that there can be so much of a focus on the numbers and i remember like like in high school when i was like really obsessive about like weight stuff again because of like fat phobia i i was just like thinking it was always the numbers it was the numbers the numbers oh weighing a hundred whatever whatever and then weighing a hundred whatever whatever and like and when I reach this number, I'm going to restrict in this way. And this has this many calories. Um, I don't find all of that super helpful. Um, it's true. Like on the, on the um, Naked and Afraid shows and, and uh, the Alone show, they always are like, this person lost 37 pounds, which is like 29% of their total body weight going into this challenge and it's just like there's something about it that feels really sick gross yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah i i feel like and it's hard reading about that experiment too and looking at the photos of the men um it was obviously like a really hard time and also just like medical stuff and experimenting on people weirds me out so i feel like the best time to like do this is when you're feeling really resilient and like you have the support that you need to like look into it like if if reading about this kind of thing is gonna like trigger um disordered eating for you or or anxiety or whatever like now is not the time um but like it, when you have a time where you're feeling resilient or like you have a friend or family member who's like also interested in that i think um 
it's it's important to yeah to learn about it and to collect those like stories and and understand because some people really have to and some people really should um it's just like not in our cultural pool of knowledge right now yeah and so not everybody has to know but but hopefully like enough people yeah it's a reality for many people uh across the world and uh unfortunately will probably be a reality more so in the future yeah yeah we've got we've got a lot going on in the world right now so uh for folks that have enjoyed listening to you talk uh do you have a venmo or something like that they could throw you a couple bucks oh um I do have a Venmo. I I think it's Willa Dash Moore, and there W I L L A M O Dash M O R E, and there's a picture of me looking uncomfortable with a giant cat on my shoulders. Um, so now it's now it's codified. codified. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, this has yeah. been great. Uh, it's really interesting to hear. Not that it wasn't great that you went through this, but. Uh, <laughs> But it was great to like have this experience and to hear your experiences and uh, to learn a little bit about stuff, something I don't know anything about. Um, so I definitely appreciate it. I'm sure our audience also appreciate it. If anyone else has any questions before we wrap up, please uh, drop them now so we can answer them until while you're clicking away, if you're going to respond, um, I'll just plug a couple of things before uh, we wrap up. So if you are watching this and you're not super familiar with the Port Poles Almanac, we are a podcast. Go check us out. If this subject matter is of interest to you, you'll definitely want to tune in. We have a new episode coming on um, Sunday night with Dr. Lynn Hunsinger. We'll be talking about the evolution of the California ecology and what we can take from the Spanish Dehesa model and um some of the science that's gone into comparing these regions and what we can do to help make California more resilient. So that could be something that's up your alley. If you are really excited about here, Dr. Lynn Hunsinger, uh, you can jump on our Patreon and uh, for two bucks, you can have early access to all of our episodes. And lastly, uh, if you enjoyed this, you can give us a couple bucks by subscribing on Twitch. And uh, that just means that we know people care about what we're doing. But of course, please support uh, Willa before us because she's donating her time and people already contribute money to us. So we don't desperately need it. Uh, And we'd rather help people that are helping us be able to do the work. So it does not look like anyone has any questions. So I guess we can uh, wrap this up. Any final thoughts before we uh, end this? Um, yay. Um, yeah, just don't take, don't take starvation lightly. I think that is like my, my closing remarks is uh, like, if there's an experience that's being offered to you that involves starving, like if someone's like, you, let's, you should go on the Naked and Afraid show because like the producers will like send messages to people like, yeah, don't take that lightly. Um, 
is a lot for the body to have to deal with, especially if you don't, if you don't have like a like nourishing, nurturing family or circle of friends to like take you back in and like hold space for you while you're recovering from that. Um, it's, it's not a good time and you can experience like permanent or semi-permanent physical damage from it and it's it's not fun it's not fun well well thanks so much this has been great thank you thank you for having me thank you